There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. This is our Wednesday edition of the podcast. I'd like to welcome each of one of our listeners as we draw closer to this Christmas weekend. We're looking forward to what the Lord can do, what the Lord will do in the house of God. And we certainly look forward to this time of year. We always enjoy the time with family, friends, at the church, everything going on with Christmas caroling and baked goods and and the gift giving, the assembling of ourselves together in the house of God on Christmas Eve. Also looking forward to the New Year's. And so we certainly appreciate each and every one of you listening. We pray that the Lord does give you a tremendous Christmas with your family and the Lord just give you the many blessings of life. That's certainly our prayer for each and every one of you. And I ask you to pray for this podcast, that uh, those would tune in and listen, that need to hear, that they would hear the preaching of the Word of God, that God would draw them, woo them, especially those that are lost without Christ. We've got a lot of folks that listen, friends, family, neighbors that listen, and we certainly are thankful for that. We're in Matthew chapter 23, and one of the things I've said many times, and I'll say it as we open up this segment of the podcast, you don't have to enforce standards with spirit-filled folk. And that's just a statement I'm going to make, and I'm going to stand by that statement. Until I've been proven wrong, I'll still stand by that statement. You don't have to enforce standards with spirit-filled people. And we deal in the day when there are those trying to enforce standards, try to make sure they have the most strict and upright standards. But you don't have to do that with spirit-filled folk. They're going to live according to the Word of God. They're going to live according to the ways of God. God is going to instruct them in their clothing, in their conduct, in their actions, in their speech. Will they fall short? Yes, they will. Is it wrong to preach it? No, it is not. But the reason people have to enforce it is they're trying to enforce these codes and these ideals on people that do not have codes and ideals. One, they're either not spirit-filled, or secondly, they're not saved and don't have the witness of God on the inside. And I've watched over the years, churches that try to enforce those things have really diminished down to nothing. They're ineffective with people because that has become a focus with so many is the outward appearance rather than the inward change that needs to take place. And I've learned when that inward change happens, you don't have to worry near as much about the outward when the inward begins to reveal what's on the inside and you find out that that person either has Jesus Christ or does not have Jesus Christ. And yet we live in a day when most churches have thrown away any semblance of a standard, any semblance of teaching of a standard. Uh, They've thrown away anything on modesty and how a man ought to dress, how a lady ought to dress, how children ought to dress. And let me do say this, there is a difference between how an adult dresses and how a child dresses. And there are a lot of adults today that dress like children and uh, they need to grow up a little bit. But again, that's not something I enforce. I'm willing to preach it, but I'm not, I can't enforce that in your life. I can't tell you your ridiculous looking little boy clothes are silly. Your little short pants are silly. 
Uh, your little modern clothes are silly. I can't tell you that. God's going to have to reveal that. And so it is with these grandmas that try to dress like their granddaughters. God's going to have to reveal the whorishness of their clothes and the whorishness of their makeup and hair. God's going to have to reveal that. So with that being said, I just want to make that announcement before we start. But in Matthew 23, he says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he's calling them hypocrites, the scribes and the Pharisees. That's why it's written in that way. And the comma and the exclamation where they are. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. And so they shut up the kingdom of heaven to them. They themselves are not going, not taking others with them. They shut it up. Why? Because of their their laws. They sit in Moses' seat. They've created laws outside of what God would have. And yet they themselves don't do those laws. And I've noticed that with religion, the practice of religion over the years. There's a lot of things said, but nobody's really living it. Or they just have to pretend to live it. I remember the old days when you couldn't have a television. And if you had a television, they preached against television every service. So you got rid of your television. So everybody got monitors instead. And they no longer had televisions. They had computers with DVD players and the internet, which is far more dangerous than uh, the network TV's ever been. And yet they would preach against TVs and people would get up. And I've heard testimonies about how they got rid of their wicked television. Would you go in their house and they got computers and tablets and laptops? They got monitors, you know, and it's just the absurdity, the ideals that men come up with. And he said, there's a woe to them because you just shut up the kingdom of heaven. You're not real. You're hypocrites. You're not being what you, it's like the folks that go home and change clothes into a completely different manner of attire than what they wore to church. It's hypocrisy. Why can't they just be honest about it? There's a lady we know that's saved by the grace of God today. Several years back, I remember her challenging the pastor and he said, I don't care if you come in church in shorts. He said, just come and be what you are. So she did just to see if he would get offended. And of course she's wrong. She knows now she was wrong. And she was trying to offend, but she was just trying to prove a point. Is this really good? Because everywhere she'd been before, it was such an offense. They'd look down the nose, they'd scoff, and, and folks would turn up their nose. And I've seen that firsthand that you run into at the shopping mall, and they're dressed in the same manner of attire. It's the idea that we don't dress like that. We're at church. You know, I've used the illustration for years. Hey, watch your mouth. You're in church. You know, it's okay to cuss at home. Just don't cuss at church. It's the same philosophy. It's okay to watch R-rated movies at home. Just don't watch R-rated movies at church. I mean, that'd be a terrible thing. It's okay to dress like that at home. Just don't dress like that at church. All of a sudden, now, the sanctimonious idea of what a church building is, it takes the forefront of people's lives, and they've thrown out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, and they have a double standard of living, and it's in their heart to have a double standard of living, because nobody's ever taught them this Jesus Christ is real. You don't have to be a Pharisee. You don't have to be a hypocrite. This Jesus Christ is real. And he really has a great effect on men, and he really, very real, uh, can change your life on the inside and make you a different person. But they don't see that. They've shut up the kingdom of heaven. Woe well, to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore, you shall receive the greater damnation. It's not wrong to pray long. It's wrong to pray long and to do it with a pretense. And what is that? It's a pretentious prayer. And it's wrong to do that. He says, a woe to the scribes, the Pharisees, the hypocrites that do those things. It's a show of the flesh. It's all a show. It's like people that serve. They serve God in church. They have a position. They don't serve God out of church, but they serve God in church. They hold a position. you got to have a title. you got to have a position. 
I've gotten stuff in the mail, correspondence from churches, and people put their titles. You know, say Johnny B. Joe, you know, and treasurer, you know, and 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 you know, CFO and things like that. You know, just the chief financial officer. And especially church has 20 people. What a tremendous job. And thank God, by the way, for church treasurers. Thank God for them. Thank God I don't have to be the church treasurer. I give God the glory for that. But it's when you do it to have a title, when you do it to have pretense, when you do it to make a show, when you pray to have a show, when you serve God to have a show, when it's like the people that want to sing all the time, there's always those folks in the service that they want to sing. And they'll say, brother, could we sing? I, I feel like the Lord's given me a song. And one, they don't take the time to practice. Two, they don't take the time to learn how to sing properly. And there is a proper way of singing. It is not just making noise with your throat. It's actually learning how to sing. It's a distinct sound singing makes over noise. And they don't bother about those things. They don't bother about the, the practice that goes into it, but they come to the house of God and they feel like they want to sing. And, you know, it's just that hypocrisy. Just see me, notice me, look at me, watch me. And woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. If you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold mole, the child of hell than yourselves. And so now they've doubled their proselytes are even worse than them. They say, well, you know, it's like the hyper-dispensational people. You know, they got this idea that, you know, James, John, Hebrews, they're not for the church. They're only for the Jews. They're only for tribulational Jews. And, and then the twofold child of hell comes along and says, it's not even for the tribulational Jews. It's for the mid-trib Jews. And it's for the post-millennial Jews. And they began to, the two more fold child of hell. You have a standard. I got twice the standard you got. You know, one of the standards we have in our home, my wife has to wear socks halfway to the knee. And they have to be wool. We don't mix wool and cotton because we live under the law. And it's very hard for my wife to find socks to go halfway to the knee that are pure wool or pure cotton in the summer. I do give her some slack. It's very difficult. Now, I myself don't do that, but I lay that burden on my wife to do that. And my daughter, of course, she has to wear them to the knee. And again, we don't mix. You know, we only, and, and therefore it's hard to find 100% wool socks. My wife has to knit socks now. So instead of spending her time doing things that could benefit our family, she's now going to knit socks for her children and for, for the girl, at least in the family, and for herself. Because we have a standard above everybody else's standard, and, and we have a proselyte now. My daughter is going to take that standard, and she's going to make it even more extreme. She's going to make them three-quarter to the knee socks, and your skirt has to come down and touch the top of the sock. If it doesn't touch the top of the sock, then we're going to pronounce heresy, and we're going to call damnation down on those. And he said, you know what that is? He said, you made them a two-fold more than child of hell than yourselves. Why? Because you've gone all this way. You've compassed land and sea to get someone to follow your ideals and your practices, and they take it way further than you could ever take it. And it's like the, the separated church movement, you know, and the IRS movement. And I mean, I've seen them over the years, so many of them, the Baptist history movement. I've watched churches caught up in the Baptist history movement. And they, they scour the books to try to find that their church came out of a pure lineage going back to John the Baptist. And I've heard stories and seen it firsthand both where they don't believe that root was hewn down. And they got a lineage. They can trace it back. They can go back to the Waldensians. And they can go back. And, they, and it's a bunch of nonsense. But that second generation of Baptist historians comes along behind them. What are they going to do? They're going to run with it even further. So what do you do? You just believe God. You don't get wrapped up in those things. You don't look for proselytes. 
And I've known churches that were built on those ideals of history and Southern history and Civil War history and pride and the pride of the Baptists and the pride of the Civil War. And and I've watched them build up and they grow. They grow leaps and bounds. Why? Because people come in, they love that idealism. They love that idea that the South was right and the Baptists were right and we got a little advantage on it. But I've watched those churches absolutely destroyed. Why? Because they've made proselytes at a twofold child of hell. Who cares what your lineage is if you're full of hell? doesn't matter where you come from if your ideals are perfect and your practice is absolutely perfect if you live in fornication and adultery and uncleanness. What did all these other things matter? But they've gone, they've, he, he said that this wise, they've compassed sea and land to make one proselyte. They searched the world finding somebody to follow them. Why? They're scribes, they're Pharisees, they're hypocrites. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether it's greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And therefore we understand, is it God or is it the work of God? And by the way, a lot of folks today worship the work of God, and they don't worship the God of the work. And it's one of the great follies in Israel when they took that ark without inquiring of God. And they took the ark before them into battle and got slain. And that's why Hophni and Phinehas died. They were slain in that battle. We know the men and women were widowed in that battle. And Eli, when he heard the news, fell off and broke his neck. And God turned that thing over to Samuel to turn that nation around. They took the ark of God. The ark became their God rather than the God of the ark. They didn't inquire of God, they inquired of the ark. And they made that accoutrement God. There's so many things, we're all in that danger. We're all in danger of those things. Don't be fooled by your life. Don't be fooled by your manner of living. Don't be fooled by your good, strong doctrine. We're all in danger of something becoming a God. You realize the 1611 King James Bible becomes a God to people? They worship the 1611 King James Bible, but they forget to worship the God of the 1611 King James Bible. They worship the cover. They worship the pages. They worship the purity. They want to have conferences, and they want to get together, and they want to overlook doctrinal differences and get together and all sing kumbaya and hold hands around the King James Bible. And in doing so, they miss the God of the King James Bible. And if you miss God of it, what's the purpose of carrying a Bible? I'll go as far as say, what's the perfect of carrying a perfect Bible? If you don't have a perfect God, you worship. And they've made things their God. They've made little things their God, big things their God. And yet these aren't things that God has necessarily brought to the forefront. They have brought them to the forefront. There's the idea of, you know, can I use a black pen or a blue pen? Well, let's weigh that. You know, do I have a red letter text, a black letter text? And I've heard a fence on both sides over that. And I'm like, my goodness, just read the words. Be colorblind and read the words. I wouldn't be offended if you had a green text, as long as the words are right. Now, if you start to worship the green text, you're in trouble. Well, why don't you just read the words of your green text and believe the word of God, and you'll probably come out okay. We've made gods out of these things. That's why I said there's a, a fools and blind, whether it's greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And listen, I'll make much about this Bible issue. But the King James Bible is not my God. The words of the King James Bible are my God because they are my Lord and Savior. They are the word of God. And the word of God contains the words of God. We can argue all day about the color of ribbons, the gilding, should be silver, should be gold, should be ungilded. Maybe 
I come up with a Bible that's a perfect Bible. And the fact it's not gilded, it doesn't have any ribbons, it has no notes, it has no chapter marks, it has no verse connotation. It's just the pure word of God. And then make that my God. And then go around and start a ministry pronouncing that this is the true word of God. There's no marks in this but the words of God. In fact, we wouldn't even put James at the top of the chapter. We wouldn't even put Hebrews at the top of the chapter. This is going to be the pure, and I could make a ministry out of that. And you'd find proselytes to follow me. Why? Because people are looking for anything. They're looking for everything. They're looking for something. And I make them a twofold child of hell. Why? Because I'm teaching them to worship something that's not God. And they need to worship the God of the King James Bible. They need to come in contact with the Savior of the King James Bible and not get caught up in the gods that men have created in their lives. I'm done for today. Lord willing, we'll be back on here tomorrow to continue the woe of the scribes and the Pharisees. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption falleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory.